This is a podcast not from the BBC. If you wish to listen to other podcasts not from the BBC, please see the rest of the internet. Joining us is Nick Mailer, John Walker, Bitch Men, and Marcus Stockbridge. <laughs> so this week, the Archbishop of Canterbury has expressed concern over the election of a gay bishop in Los Angeles, fearing for the unity of the worldwide Anglican Church. It seems that a big fear is a schism where the church divides into two, those supporting gay clergy on one side and those who don't on the other. You can imagine the church notices that are a result from this. Oh, welcome to the Church of St. Back to the Wall, where we can assure you that our Mary ain't no virgin. Join us later for our weekly footy match before the parish punch-up. But now it's time for the first reading from the Book of Clarkson, Chapter 3. Ducky, welcome into the church of Rooksy by the Dogs. We look forward to seeing you all on bended knee, bowing your heads. Please remember that the front doors of the building are under maintenance, so everybody will need to use the rear entrance for the foreseeable future. church said he couldn't understand what the fuss was about. Because, because there's so many gates in the Catholic church, see? This week, Collins speaker John Burko was accused of having written a sex guide in the 80s. He claimed he didn't write it, but some things he's been saying in Parliament recently have made us wonder. Order, order. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Order, order. Order me some leather suspenders and a whip. <laughs> I beg your pardon, Mr. Speaker. Oh, sorry, I was a million miles away in the steamy massage bar in Morocco, to be precise. <laughs> now, Mr. Speaker, I have a point of order. I'd order your point any day. Mr. Oh, I'm sorry, I seem to have come over a little queer. That's no way to talk about the Minister for Sport, Mr. Speaker. Enough tittle-tatter. We need to prepare for the opening of Parliament. How so? We don't want a repeat of last year's mishap. What was that, Mr. Speaker? Instead of coming at the front, Black Rod came up my back passage and thrust himself too hard against my entrance. <laughs> Mr. Speaker! Now, what am I 
like I've erupted early day motions all over my dispatch box. Now, to give his angry monologue about what's gotten his week this week, it's Marcus Stockbridge. So, last week, when the Queen uh, came out to say she wants the paparazzi to stop taking photographs of her family, uh, uh, we all were in a bit of shock. The woman in the crown who lives in the giant palace that we pay for with a family who live in the lap of luxury is now complaining because occasionally someone takes a picture of her. It's it's a bit like if I were to go into Trafalgar Square, take off all my clothes and carry a ten foot sign above my head saying, take a picture of me and then complain when the tourists start snapping away. Sorry, Mrs. Queen dear, but if you live publicly, you have to expect the public to see you. You can can just imagine Prince Philip complaining about it, can't you? Hey, say, Elizabeth, you know the problem is, don't you, with all those slitty-eyed lenses able to see from the roads around Sienrigham. Send them back to Russia, that's what I say. Talking of the Queen, what about Ben Elton over in Australia? Apparently now it's unacceptable for a comedian to complain about the royal family without calls for them to be hanged in the streets. With the oppression of comics like us getting increasingly worse, just imagine what comedy will be like in a year's time. It's the Now Doing Show! So this week in the news, I see that Kate and William's marriage is said to be on the rocks. That's a shame, and we all wish them the very best. <laughs> and now here's Bitch Men with a song about how nice it is that it's sunny and everything's lovely. <laughs> so no, us comedians have got to fight back. It's important that we take a stand and don't allow the regime to dictate what jokes we can make. And if that means calling the Queen a little old lady, then that's what we're prepared to do. And so here's Bitch Men with a song about their problems with Gordon Brown. As Christmas comes along, ladies and gentlemen, MPs are often asked what books they're going to be reading over the break. Gordon Brown has surely read Metamorphosis by Kafka, where the protagonist wakes up having become a slimy insect. Well, I wondered, imagine if you woke up one day and it was even worse. You woke up and instead of being a slimy insect, you were much slimier. You are Gordon Brown! (laughs) So here go the Gordon Brown blues. I woke up this morning, I was feeling so sad. I woke up this morning, I was feeling too bad. I woke up this morning, I was feeling so down. Because when I woke up this morning, I became Gordon Brown. I got one glass A, I got a dodgy mouth, I got a glowery face, I got a family from Glasgow South. My handwriting's so poor, it's made me a laughing stock. I left my milkman a note by the door, and he thought I was ordering a pint of gold cock. Oh, I woke up this morning, and I thought this can't get more wrong until I realized at least I'm not David. Cameron. Oh, give me a recording contract, please. Give me a recording contract. I can't go on like this any other place. Please listen to me for courage. And finally. 
Finally, ladies and gentlemen, at the beginning of the show, the audience question that we asked was, why do you love the wrongdoing show so much? And here are just some of your wacky replies. Tim from Made Up Place answers, why do you love the wrongdoing show so much with, it's the closest thing Britain has got to the Daily Show. In fact, it should probably be called the Weekly Show. And here's one from Ethnic Name Has a Marzipan. I love the rum doing show because there's nothing that goes with my chicken satay skewers better than a bunch of satire skewers. Satire, satay, satire. I love that. And here's one from Mary Imaginary Person. I love the rum doing show because unlike Radio 1, there's actually decent real rock music on it. Give bitch men a recording contract now. Here, here. Bitch would be too polite to say, but he's actually better than every single other serious rock star out there in every respect. Yes. Well, those audience hearts as well as zany, we have such a crazy audience, it scares me sometimes. Well, that's the price you pay for being the only satire game in town. True. And until next week, goodbye! That was eight minutes long. Jesus Christ. Oh my that god. That's beautiful. Look, we wrote a script and everything for that. <laughs> yeah, and we I mean beautiful. I mean we're gonna put on the sound effects afterwards, but we did actually go through that live, so it was a bit scary. Yeah, it was quite frightening. Yeah. I have you found a new respect for Bunt and Dennis? <laughs> I found there will be pe- uh, um, people in the US won't know what we've just done. That's true. We should make old. we should oh because because uh, 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 I play I won't I can't speak now having focused yeah. so hard on saying the right words out loud. Um <laughs> I play won't play it to them, will it? No, no. Basically, there's a lovely satire. Satire. Have show. we ever mentioned the now show no. before? It's called it the up? now show, which is basically take is listened to by millions of people. Takes up nearly a decade's worth of radio time, and is about as good as what you heard. Yeah, well, it was it was actually when writing that quite hard to be worse, wasn't it? <laughs> we get to say, oh no, that joke's too good. We need to make it better. Oh no, that song scans. We better unscan it. Anyway, that's enough self congratulatory piffle. I think uh, I want th- to drink that. Was our, that was our episode 10 special. Um, That's right. Nothing more special. What we happen. have over here is rum, but it's rum mixed with um, orange liqueur. Orange liqueur it's rum spelled R H U M, which Indeed. I think is very fancy. We haven't tasted it yet. No, so let's. Mm. That's very good. That's the nicest so far. It is. Gosh. It's, it's in desiccated orange peel. Delicious. Yes, indeed. My dad used to make an orange liqueur um, uh, when I was a kid. And so what would happen is around the Christmas sort of time, all the satsuma peels and things would just always be in the oven, constantly in the oven right. on a low temperature. And then we would... Um, yeah, and then suddenly about 200, 300 years later, it would become this delicious orange liqueur we were too young to drink. Orange liqueurs are best. It is best. Mm. Yeah. Indeed, although it's now called rum doings, you remember what was the liqueur that launched us into our stellar oh, career? I can't remember what we had the first week. It was Mandarin Napoleon, which was also oh, yes, based on mandarins. Very good, very good. What have you been doing this week? Oh, gosh. Um, it's a lazy question to ask. Yeah. <laughs> to say. Well, That's it. We've run out of things to say. Let's end. So that was the end of the 10th special. We peaked. <laughs> yes. We peaked and we're done. Well, literally, we did peak. The, the sound wave was going all over the place. I'm finally back to living like a freelancer again this week, which mm. is good. Is it good to live which like? Which means I can do this, not in the middle of yeah. a Tuesday afternoon. What is a freelance? 
What is a freelance? Yeah. This is somebody who has a free. It's, it's a sword. Word. Yeah, released from prison. I've got a lance that I can use without worrying about what my feudal master says. I suppose. Or it probably having... is something like that. Somebody who walked a knight who walked around and just offered his services to any feudal master. Perhaps it's a boil being removed for no charge. <laughs> Uh, that's, that's no good. It's a good joke. It did a joke. That's no good at all. It's a good joke. Oh, well, look, we're so much quieter when we speak like normal people mm. than when we shout, mm. showing off on the thing. It, it, it's true. Um, there were some complaints about... It's so delicious, I can't stop thinking. <laughs> yeah, it is. We just... get absolutely wasted. <laughs> yeah. this yeah, it is very good. Um, there were complaints... I haven't been drunk since 2000. Why this, so? Uh, this new year will be the 10th anniversary of my being sober. What? I was there like I'm an alcoholic before. <laughs> Woo! those six uh, times before. Wh- when last did you get drunk? It was a millennium night. What happened? Um, we were, I went to London mm-hmm. uh, at a party that was great fun. And um, I, we went into to the Thames to watch the fireworks for midnight. Mm-hmm. And I was given a big two-litre bottle of... of what? A Coke bottle. And I knew it was filled with multiple liquors. Okay. Um, but it was very, very hot that night because there were so many people at the Thames. So I kept swimming for, yeah. for a thirst. Yeah. And uh, became quite... I didn't remember... I didn't get to enjoy any of the effects of drunkenness. And yet uh, the next morning was sick and all that fun stuff. Hangovery business. And yeah... And then we'll say that much. And so after that, for religious reasons, you decided. For, yes, for, for, for religious not to drink reasons. Again. No, I just I've never I've never enjoyed being drunk since I was about nineteen. That was probably the last time I felt any appreciated it at all. Um, and since then, I'm being distracted by your looking up. Oh, I was on etymology. I was right, freelance, uh, yeah. medieval mercenary warrior. From free plus lance, so it's a man who just you know, gave his lance. For Excellent. <laughs> so my my made up etymology is That's actually great. You have a lance. Make my job even more. So so you basically go around stabbing people for pay, mm-hmm. but you S- don't report to any stabbing, feudal master. Stabbing or oh, in this case, future. Yes. <laughs> stabbing the bad games through the <laughs> graphics or something. Oh, that didn't work. I know. Anyway, back to why you don't get drunk. Yeah, I never really. But then again, Jesus' blood is is is, is made wine. Of wine yeah. So you know, I don't object to drinking at all. I object to being in the company of people who are drunk. I find it tedious, but um, I don't enjoy myself. It's worse being in the company of people who are on drugs, though. Yes. Uh, in the level of tedium, there's nobody worse than somebody no, who's, who's drugged off their heads. But I encounter that. that an awful lot less than I do people mm-hmm. being drunk. What even even in the publishing industry? I know. <laughs> 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 So, I, I imagine the real now show has lots of coke in it. <gasps> you, I, I don't. I meant Coca-Cola. I, oh, Coca-Cola, thank goodness you said that. Because yeah. I was going to say, I'm sure nothing at all is likely to be the case. No. Even though I've worked in radio and the conscious of quite how much cocaine there is involved yes. in that industry. Yes. So, yeah, so you, you haven't, you, you're going to get drunk this Christmas, though. No, I just, I don't enjoy myself drunk. I don't enjoy other people drunk. I find myself, I have much more fun sober. Drunk on eggnog. <sighs> I don't really like eggnog. I, uh, I'm boring. Of, sorry. Uh, I mean, I I agree. I don't. I'm not. I'm not drawn to to alcohol, as I've said before, in in the ways that some of you Anglo-Saxons appear to be. <laughs> right. um, but nevertheless, there is something about when you've had just enough mm. alcohol, specifically things like champagne, bubbly stuff, which I know you don't like, but no, it, well. but it, it, the way it affects you, where you stand up and you suddenly realise you're a little bit woozy, and the world has its edges knocked off it, and it's nice to be like that occasionally. No, I just start to feel more self-conscious for yeah. that feeling. I mean, I, I like the kind of slight lightheadedness, and of course, I am the ultimate lightweight now. But that's what you get when um, you when when you when you take a when you take a breath of gas and air. It puts you into that feeling immediately. Right. Of the oh, I've just oh, oh I've, I've had a bit too much cider. Why? Why have you not... had a taste of gas recently, Nick? Why would you? Uh, I, didn't I say so in the previous? Oh, you didn't actually say this part of the story. It's my favourite bit of your birth childbirth story. Um, the mon- well, he was taken down to the medical ward. And the monitors they put on the fetal monitors so they can detect mm-hmm. the, the 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 baby's heart is beating. Yeah, 
and it and it flatlined because they were would worried. Be quite frightened. They were worried that the baby was in distress and it flatlined. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, people rush in and start um, outputting their medical verbiage in a very serious but controlled way. It's right. almost the fact that it's so drilled makes it almost more scary. Right. And going around, and they said, right, right, and then shoved it, and then they shoved in an internal monitor. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, and they said, well, we can't find the fetal for the, the fetal heart rate. Can only find the mother's heart rate. Where you know, right. And did they, they at any point go get the father out of here? No, absolutely. What on to? And then they um, and finally the, the midwife said, said, yeah, that machine's broken. <laughs> <laughs> and then the internal one picks up the rate. And at that point, I took the well, I was given the Victoria the um, the gas in here. <laughs> and then, uh, to calm yourself down, and then the and then the midwife screamed, "Don't let him do that!" <laughs> Which I thought was tactful. Well, an un unadministered dose of, of anaesthetic probably isn't or something. That well, they yeah, but I mean, ladies are allowed to just suck <laughs> as much as they want. I mean, there it's hanging. It's funny in in the birthing suite. There's one hanging off the wall by the bed, and there's another one hanging off the wall by the bath in case you want to suck while you're okay. in the bath. So you know, it's like a I like a, the, it's a real opium den. But the interesting <laughs> thing, the interesting thing about it is it has a latency of about eight to ten seconds before it actually starts working. Mm -hmm. So you breathe it in. You think nothing's happening, nothing's happening, but it's not just nothing's happening, nothing's happening. Oh, there it is, which is why apparently a lot of women who are in we should do a whole episode as a musical, by the way, <laughs> which is why a lot of women who, when they have contractions, they say it doesn't work because, of course, their contraction starts, they relax, they, mm -hmm. they try and relax, doesn't work to relax, so then they take a suck. And by the time it's right. it's kicked in, the uh, the anaesthetic's kicked in, it's already reached the peak of the contraction. So, all you ladies is out there... Is it nitrous oxide they use, or is it something It's else? nitrous oxide, right. yes, with, with with air. Um, so you can have the hilarious laughing gas incidents, like in all good uh, yes. movies about students. Yeah, what, what's, what's quite interesting about it is if you hold it in your lungs, and you don't breathe out a lot, mm -hmm. the, the effect remains. And it remains there until you give a nice breath out, all right. at which point it goes, you can kind of decide when you've had enough when you've had enough drunkenness it's, it's very strange i don't think i've ever had nitrous oxide dentists don't use it anymore do no they? not really i mean they could use it if you give too much it becomes a general anesthetic yeah and if you give too much it becomes a and i believe i may be wrong but i believe dentists are no longer allowed to do gas i think we have to have a hospital going to have a an well, 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 right, well rightly so you know what dentists are like but i might be wrong about that yes all dentists can't yeah. trust them no no, Not I think from my dad, who's great. Yeah, you say your dad is magic because you've got you 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 have um, teeth and skin that uh, that <coughs> where anaesthetics don't work on. Well, only I need give you a little story teeth. because I don't actually believe give it. Give well, a silly little story. Well, allow others to judge whether you're a liar or not, okay. Mr. Munchausen. <laughs> Well, it seems... Notice I've taken away your baron. It's yes, I know. It's been reduced. Um, it seems that no matter how much... My lower um, premolars and um, incisors, I think, it seems that no matter how much anaesthetic is put in, the, the nerve remains deeply alert. And um, I can feel every moment and every iota of action from the drill. What's the point of the microphone? Yeah, yeah, carry on, yeah. You're threatening me with the microphone. Yes. Um, and so what, ha what happens is my mouth will go numb. I'll go slump, you know, slump-faced and not be able to uh, spit or drink. But uh, the, when the drill goes inside the tooth, I feel the Don't pain. Don't say tooth. 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 Ugh. Anyway, <laughs> my dad's Welsh and a dentist. Chances are I'm going to say tooth. Oh, the tooth. <laughs> Is that your Welsh accent? No, I, I, well, I go down the valley and have a tooth. No, I can't do Welsh very well. Carry on. Try Pakistani and then... Calm it down a little. Racist. 
That's what they're raising. So you're saying that uh, that Pakistanis aren't calm. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> they're all, <laughs> all frantic all yeah. the time. That's what I 100% wholeheartedly believe. <laughs> anyway, so the tooth, as it goes into the tooth, it's like this insane wailing pain. Of, it feels like it's going down to the very centre of my being, or my soul is being drilled. It's absolutely horrific. And so, um, yeah, my poor dad, because it's, it's his son in the chair, which doesn't really encourage him, that he's causing his own son pain. So I have, we have the signal, I wave and he'll stop. And he's found amazing ways to get around it. He'll go in with like a pickaxe and shovel instead. He'll hit you over the head with a frying pan. But even the, even the water thing um, hurts. It's so intensely painful in down your, your teeth are bad. They're very peculiar, my teeth. Mm. I had my premolars uh, removed on the top when I was a kid for braces, and they had three roots. Which my dad asked my dad if he's ever seen that before, and he says, and he's never seen it. And you know, he's been a dentist for what thirty, forty years. He's never seen that before, apart from in one case, which was his own teeth. So in effect, so some genetic anomaly produce, I have with him. You, your family lines produce mutants. Yeah, it seems to be. Like well, I like to think of us as more evolved. <laughs> right. Yeah, we're the next why, evolutionary why use, step. Why up. use? Yes, that's what humanity's been waiting for. <laughs> the extra root on the premolar. Yeah. Yes, the, the extra root on the premolar will be what leads us forth to the greater universe that's true i also have, I have a wisdom tooth that lies completely sideways that's quite fun oh, i think i've got one of those that's they're reasonably common i think yeah that really is ridiculous however i would like to say about my to defend my father in case people think he's just bad at giving anesthetics he is awful he's terrible but yeah. no it's not true he um he hates the nhs as well what are you talking he about he hates the nhs and wishes it closed down my dad is one of the last nhs dentists left in the country yeah. how dare you malign him he's stood by the nhs when um, many of his partners and colleagues have gone private. He stood by it because he believes in it. Good. Um, despite all of Thatcher's best work and then mm. the ensuing madness that's followed. Mm. Anyway, um, no, friends of mine have been to dentists and had horrible experiences, as so many people have. Have then gone on to see my dad at my suggestion, and um, have just said it's just can't believe the difference. They can't understand why they needed to be in pain with the dentist before then when this guy can do it without. So yeah, celebrate my dad. Everyone should go to ask for Mr. Walker at Dean Lodge Dental Surgery in Guildford. <laughs> yes, even though, um, actually, haven't you just... Even though it's committed... NHS and therefore he probably can't take any more patients. And now. haven't you committed a crime? Have I? By advertising a dentist. Are you, I don't think you're allowed to advertise them on, on air, are you? Oh, we, we're not on air. I think you... Nothing regulates I think you've, I think you've reached the BBC guidelines. <laughs> I forgot about our BBC uh, contracts. Ofcom, Ofcom will be on top of us like a, <laughs> a pile of bricks. Let's know the BMJ. That's true. The British, why would the British Medical Journal be <laughs> they, Well, they publish articles. <laughs> they publish an article about it. Yes. You're thinking, I can't remember what they're called now. What is the dentist lot called? Um, Ribena tooth kind. That's the one. <laughs> what did your dad think of Ribena tooth kind? He was not impressed at the uh, the union. Was it the union or the organisation? I can't remember who said The stood, sellouts. Who said that Ribena tooth endorsed a, a, a drink. British Dentistry Association. BDA. BDA or something like that, yeah. Um... And they were given a lot of money and then endorsed Ribena tooth, tooth kind. Yeah, I'm not sure they were too. Was Which is odd because it has more acid in than the original Ribena in order to counter the effects of the horrible artificial sweetener. So not very good for teeth. <laughs> but apart from that, it's great. <laughs> yeah, good, good, good for the budget. I don't know. I don't want to speak for my dad in case I get him in trouble. What if I got him fired? Maybe you. Well, he's self-employed. It can't happen. <laughs> he's fired. He, can. he might fire himself. Well, that's true. He might become furious with the lies I'm spreading about him. Yes. Uh, uh, get confused and fire uh, Is himself. he able to continue to be a dentist? What with his hips? Yeah, absolutely. He's got got new hips. He keeps him going strong. Right. I was talking to him. He pointed out to me the other day that he's not had a promotion in 30 years because he's self-employed and started at the top. So I suggested what he should have done about 20 years ago is uh, had a big problem with himself, demoted himself really down low, and then just constantly given himself promotions all the way through his career. Yes, exactly. Occasionally slapped himself on the wrist mm-hmm. and taken himself to tribunal for um, <laughs> <laughs> for sexual harassment. <laughs> Sexually harassing himself. Yes. 
Let's not talk about my dad in this way anymore, shall we? Just in case, God forbid, he would ever listen to one that's of these. Not, that's not going to happen. I hope not. How close have you got to any members of your family knowing that this exists? Oh, um, I don't think I've... I think I've told my mum about it because she just never listened. I tried to get my sister to be interested, but she didn't care. No, my, my Gregory listens. I told her we did one about Neighbours, yeah. and she loves Neighbours, and she still wasn't interested. Gregory listens, and uh, he listens to the Neighbours Your brother, one. Gregory, yes. Yeah, and he was very angry about the Neighbours one. Yes. He still listens to Neighbours. He said that we'd maligned the show and that it, it had a reboot and there are the old writers have been brought back and they've turned it back into the comedy of manners that it was and so on and uh, he it said, sounds like we should be watching Neighbours again that's what it sounds like <laughs> well he gave an example of a um, of a recent storyline where uh, Carl Kennedy was getting increasingly annoyed that uh, that um, dog poo kept appearing outside his front door. Oh, yeah. So he was resorting to increasingly, for about a week and a half, he was resorting to increasingly ridiculous methods for trying to detect who the dog was. Excellent. And cameras up which didn't work and little traps and detection methods and he never found out he was getting increasingly <laughs> angry and eventually he took a sample of the poo to his hospital's labs uh-huh. to uh, uh, DNA analysis and he found out it uh, like a week and a half later he found out it was his own dog who'd been escaping Hooray! through the back etc. You know, that, that sounds promising. It does. Yes. Although my sister told me about, uh, I can't believe another podcast about neighbours. We're not, it's going to okay. end after this. My sister episode. told me that currently Susan Kennedy is pregnant with Libby's baby. Therefore, she's giving birth to her own granddaughter. Yeah, Gregory, explain that. Yeah, Gregory. <laughs> yeah, right. we showed him. We, we, we did show him. We're it? showing everyone this podcast. Who, who should we show next? We, we've already shown Mitch, Ben, and mm. Punt, and Dennis. Yeah, and they've Marvel taken Christoph. quite a hit. <laughs> they have. <laughs> I fear that their careers may never recover. They won't be over now, show this Friday when they hear this. What are they going to replace it with? They'll put on. Um, oh, God, they've got that awful Fred McCauley thing. No! Fred McCauley. Made me want the Now Show back. That programme was so bad. Yes. What a nice what a nice part. Mando Inucci Charm Offensive. That fits the slot. Why don't they put that on back on The again? Charm Offensive was very good. It was very good. And the, as was the 99p challenge, but that's gone. That's sad. I don't know why. That, I don't understand why that's gone. Whether the person who owned the format net and walked off with it or. Or just everybody's too busy. If you think about all the people who are doing it, Simon Pegg is now a big, oh, Hollywood, course, yeah, you now a big, big Hollywood star. Yanucci's busy doing the thick of it and his other things, but you That's know. True. Nick Frost, I imagine you could still get. Mm. I, mean, I know he's just about to, he's doing another big movie with Pegg soon, but... But you never feel he's really... really I thought Nick Frost was the funniest thing on the 99p Challenge. It was great. It was good. Yeah. There was a, he did a, a sitcom on Radio 4 called The Sofa of Time. I've heard of it. absolutely terrible. It was a real mm. shame. It was very much in a kind of trying to be hitchhikers thing. But there was one funny thing about one episode where um, the Radio 4 continuity announcer before the programme started said, um, and now on Radio 4, it's time for the Sofa of Time. Uh, listeners are advised the following programme contains an angry giant. <laughs> and then the programme started, and sadly that was the funniest thing that ever happened oh, on the show, but it was pity. very funny. That is a pity. Yeah. Well, where would you say is the nicest part of Britain? Gosh, that's a segue. Um... I don't know what my rating of niceness on. I, don't know, I just think because I mean the problem. I quite like Bath where I live. To be you honest. like Bath the best. Yeah, that's where I picked. You see, my problem with Britain most of the time is that you find a nice bit, but then you turn your head by about ten degrees, You're right? And you find the multi-story car park or the nineteen seventies well, DSS office or some very unpleasant shopping centre. It's like you have to always have a very narrow field of vision that's in it. order to say something nice. And for me, that doesn't wash it. For something to be nice, yeah. the whole vista has to be nice. You have to feel the whole mise-en-scene is well, nice. Bath City Centre pretty much nails it. There is one multi-storey car park, um, and it's slightly out of the way behind Sainsbury's, and that's fine. Um, 
and then there's and that's it. The there's whole no... train after Bath is very ugly, Maidenhead and well, I can't and help other. The A40 places. corridor is terrible. Oh, it's awful. You go, well, you're running alongside the M5, really. Aren't you? M4, yeah, M4, aren't you? A4. Yeah. So yeah, Reading is one of the most horrendous places on earth. Hmm. Um, Stevenage is worse, though. We rescued your wife in Reading, remember? Yeah, yeah. Um, Stevenage is a pretty ghastly concrete mess. Um, then even Swanage, uh, not do I know it's Swanage? What do I mean? Swindon. Swindon, thank you. Swindon is just this insane connection of concrete buildings and roundabouts. There's just nothing else. It's a really dreadful place. But you get to Bath, and suddenly, well, you once you get enter Bath, you're kind of into Somerset County. You know, yeah, things start to improve a little. And then you get, everything goes insane by the time you get to Cornwall. But you know, if you stop short, mm. I quite like Bath. You have got Bristol if you need a big city full of ugly buildings. That's mm. just up twenty minutes up the train. It's good. Did Britain need to be as ugly as it's become? I feel like I'm being interviewed now as so some some sort of Britain's British sociologist. You are. Oh, okay. Um, yes, it did. Okay. Otherwise, the uh, Wookiee Hole Witch was going to take control. Oh, uh, that would probably explain it because yeah. there's no other rational explanation for why they allowed themselves to well, rebuild, this, rebuild we, the way they did. We did. We got a bit lost in the twenties until about the late eighties, early nineties, didn't we? In terms of architecture as a country, we kind of got mm. in a bit skew if. Like, mm. Guildford Cathedral is one of my favourite examples. This, um, Mr Hitler didn't help, but you'd have thought he would have gotten rid of so many buildings. Oh, here's a well, chance to rebuild them nicely. Bizarrely, what he did with Guildford Cathedral was make it worse by delaying its building. So it was meant to, I think, it meant to be beginning to build in the 20s, and then the, the, the Second World War interrupted its development, and so all these horrible architectural styles came in in the 50s, and it ended up being this red brick monstrosity mm-hmm. uh, that was so horrendous they used it as a backdrop in The Omen. <laughs> so it's a really grotesque building well we've got a building near us in, uh, in Mill Hill which is the Animal Medical Research Centre oh yeah which was used as the do they insa- use that where they torture bunnies no yeah but it was used as the insane insane asylum on Batman the new Batman oh, really? series well Arkham what's it called but, uh, well Arkham Asylum is the new game well, is that what it's called? You know, the outside of the building is... Oh, menacing. the Arkham Asylum is a regular feature in the yeah, Batman. that menacing theme, so. building oh, okay. is, is actually... I run past it quite oh, quickly. Nice. And it sometimes smells like cooking meat. Oh, good. As, as little bunnies well, you must burnt. You must surely be against animal testing because of the little bunnies and the puppies and things. Yes. So surely you're against animal of testing. Of course, when I run past it... <laughs> do, you start, do you ever yeah. feel like bombing it and blowing up the humans who run the place? Yes, yes. I assume that you, like me, are quite in favour of animal testing. I, yes, I don't mind animal testing, although I do sometimes draw the line when it comes to ladies and their perfume. Hey, oh, yes, when it's for vanity. Ladies should test their own perfume. Absolutely, that seems reasonable. I mean, and when it's for vanity, then no problem at all. But when mm. it's for medicine, I really don't care if a couple of bunnies die. I mean, I'm happy to think that we can be a bit better by having good computer models and cultures and things like that, which sure. apparently we should be able to do. And I don't want us to have the excuse for not producing those things, but I'm not going to start bombing places. I you're not going to stop bombing places. Start. Oh, I see. Yeah. Um, no, I, it's like I, I don't. I, I think anything for perfume or for lipstick and all these things. You know, mm. the images of painting lipstick on a tiny kitten, yes. whatever it might be, uh, is grotesque. That's what you do. Of it's a no cause. <laughs> if I do in my privacy of my own home, it's none of your business. In your privacy of your own cellar. <laughs> privacy of my own weird bolted <laughs> basement. Um, the, 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 no. But when it comes to like you know curing cancer and stuff although I have a problem with curing cancer it's funny when you said the word curing cancer immediately as you said the word curing I had it in the notion of cured meat a ah. oh, <laughs> bit of lightly smoked cancer mm, over there it's delicious it's a bit I, salty yeah. it's tradition with our Christmas dinner yeah uh, no I, I'm worried about curing cancer because clearly I mean, it's horrible when people die of cancer when young people die of cancer especially mm. and cancer is no dignified way for anyone to go are you having a Malthusian moment sure of worry one. there are you well, no but my concern is the population if we cured cancer, it kills, what, one in three people, maybe nearly mm. half of people? 
they all survive. What are we going to do with everyone? Just have fewer babies. Yeah, but people aren't having fewer babies. Well, they slowly are. Yeah. But, the, but, more, no, the more advanced you get, the fewer babies you have. I mean, look at me. I've only got one. That's true. By You're rights, very advanced. By rights, in a, in a uh, pre-agrarian society, I would probably have about 20, of, of, of which about eight will have survived. So, you know, I think we'll be all right. Okay. I think we'll be okay. Yeah. And if not, we'll end up just dying of starvation or something, and then it'll regulate itself anyway. That's true. You think so? You think the... Because, I mean, the population's up to six billion now. I think we could cope with about 20. 20 billion? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've got a feeling we'll be all right. Do you think so? Yeah, I think... The, you know, when people go on about global warming, yeah, it probably is happening, but actually, nah. <laughs> this That's is... Con- now we're getting controversial. Nah. So you're not a denier, you're just an acceptor. I accept it. I don't know how much we are actually affecting it. I think the Earth's temperature fluctuates madly most of the time anyway, if you look at historical records. It's only been for about 10,000 years we've had anything close to a stable climate, and even those have had many ice ages in them. I think it's, massive, <coughs> I think it's massively hubristic to think that we've, we've got it just right, and only because of us we've managed to tilt this Garden of Eden perfection into, right. into the fall. I, I sometimes wonder whether when I hear green people speaking like this, it's, it's amazing. It's like a recapitulation of the fall. And right. You know, where we've desecrated Eden and mm-hmm. we're paying for it. And the only way we can get absolution is by wearing hair shirts and by getting rid of all the nice things. Right. And it really does seem it's no more than that. That's what pisses me off. There is science, and the science says this is what carbon dioxide does, but it's mm-hmm. a very chaotic system. How actually it's going to affect on a massive feedback scale, to be honest, they don't really know. But right. shh, don't tell anybody that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, carbon dioxide is a greenhouse gas, and if it uh, and it can react like this. But to then say the temperature will be going up by this degrees, and these countries will be underwater, crap. Anybody who says that's no no better than a bloody medium. Right, um, uh, and and but, and that I think that's perfectly fair. That's a proper skeptic thing to say. To say there is absolutely no way we're having an effect whatsoever, and you're all a bunch of frauds and liars. That's that's not correct. Yeah, okay. Um, but to on the other hand, to uh, accept this alarmism, as if we're living. Look, when anybody tells you that you're living through a very special end time. Oh yes. Whether they're frankly a, a leader writer, Ed Miliband. Or, or somebody from the IPCC, or somebody on the street banging a tambourine, mm-hmm. I immediately go, hmm, I'm how, special, how special do you think you are, that you happen to be living through your own end time? Well, exactly. I'm, I'm fascinated by how everyone, when no one predicts the end time for 80 years ahead yeah. of, uh, in the future. It's always within their own lifetime. Well, 20 years' time is when it'll all go bad. Exactly. Or, you know, or four years, or is it three years' time now? Is you, know why corn, you know why corn was made? No, because it was hypothesized in the 60s that there wouldn't be enough uh, protein on the earth to support the human population oh, right. when we moved to four or five billion people. Right. So they invented corn as yeah. part of their research to try and make protein out of mushrooms. Oh, that's a reasonable thing to have invented, I suppose, if yeah, you but wish they, to be a vegetarian. But there you are. No, it was just there literally wouldn't be enough. So we, right. we, we turn things sort themselves out. Well, I and, look, so, if they, but... if, and if they don't, they don't. But do you know what I mean? If they don't, they don't. We will. We will reap what we've sown. We'll get what we deserve. Well, you won't. That's the point. I think that's why people get angry. Is because you won't reap what you've sown, but your daughter or maybe her children will. So it'll happen. Mm-hmm. I mean, how many generations forth are we supposed to worry about? No, I will. I... Now you tell me. Where does the limit of worry? Twenty, thirty, fifty, a hundred, a thousand? <laughs> because at some stage the sun's going to blow up. And I think and it, that's what we should be primarily just empty to start. No, but that's, that's the point. And, and then yeah. even if we say, well, we'll find ourselves a new sun, uh, 
well, at some stage, entropy will take over and there will be no more universe. So uh, at what, <laughs> at what, it's all going to end badly, is the moral of the story. And, 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 and when do we worry about what particular chapter we want to end nicely? It's like we, we worry about whether chapter one ends nicely or chapter two, but we know by the end of the book it's going to end badly. Right. So at what point do we, do we stop worrying? And I, people say, oh, it's, it's irrelevant to think of the explosion of the sun and it's irrelevant to think of entropy. But no, I philosophically don't think it's irrelevant because if we're, why is it more relevant to think three, four, five generations ahead? Well, I think what's happening now is anyone with the Ice by Book of Bemley is currently ticking off entropy. Yes. Nick used entropy in an argument. Yes, I've only used it once in this. That's true, it's yeah. true. I use, it very, I use it very properly. Because that's the problem. A lot of um, neo-Maoist greenists think that by wearing hair shirts, by being lovely to Mother Gaia and Mother Nature, and by turning off their video recorders from standby, <laughs> yeah. um, they're somehow going but to make, every, you... make everything better, and we're going to re-enter the Garden of Eden. We're not. The Earth is going to end in a horrible mess even if we disappeared from it tomorrow. That's the fact of the matter. <laughs> Hang on a second. I remember in a rum doings long ago, you argued that, that, that it was ridiculous to claim such things as fact because that would be basing the future on the way that uh, science and physics have, have behaved before. Yes. And I mean, you were poo-pooing yes, the I notion mean, that people would accept that. I, yeah, I know. That I, I know. I mean, there are a number of layers of belief. I'm using inductive logic. Right. And I'm saying, yes, it, it is actually ridiculous and it's just an item of faith to believe that the world's going to continue in the way it's been doing heretofore. On the other hand, I've got no other other basis of stating anything. So I could say everything's going to be lovely, mm. but I've got no more basis of saying that. So when somebody tells me, if you stop killing the bunnies right. and switch off your VCR, everything will be lovely, I'll say, maybe, but are you? there is at least no more evidence of that than that everything won't be lovely. But what about... See, the, the position I take is, because well, I'm not expert enough to understand or know mm. what the consequences are of, of our, our current use of carbon and so on. But what about the logic of saying, since you can save it, why not try? Well, what do you mean you can save it? It's going to cost billions and billions of pounds and we could end up screwing up every developing nation by forcing them not to do what we did to get to where we were as an industrialised nation. So there are massive costs to this, mm -hmm. human costs. So we've got to be bloody sure that we're doing it for a good reason. It's not just a zero-cost system. Right? We might as well do it because there's no harm in not doing it. Well, actually, there is harm in doing it. We're telling people not... We're, we're pulling up the ladder behind a lot of people here. Right. We're saying, you can't have the Industrial Revolution we had. Tough. Because mm -hmm. we suddenly realised that it was a bit naughty. <laughs> right. So go back to your little hovels. Off you go. But what about... Why not turn your TV on to st off standby since it's going to save you money and your electricity? Bill? That's a much better argument. Okay. And, in fact, there are better arguments. If you want to argue environmentalism, I've always suggested... Right. I mean, I did a a module of environmental ethics at university, and the article, uh, and the uh, article, the essay I wrote, was specifically about how when we, are, when we make environmental arguments, we should always be highly selfish, and we should not argue about what's lovely for Mother Nature and lovely for Earth and protect the planet, blah, blah, blah. The planet doesn't give a toss. Mm -hmm. And also, we mustn't argue ourselves out of nature. We are nature. We are part of nature. Right. We can't do anything that isn't part of nature. We've evolved to do exactly what we're doing now. We've evolved to sit here recording a podcast just <laughs> as much as evolved. This has is evolved the pinnacle do, of evolution. Yeah, has evolved to do what it needs to do and ant has evolved to do what it needs to do. So first of all, let's not start thinking of ourselves as being unnatural. What we're doing is perfectly natural. Mm -hmm. However... Uh, one of our tools is that we can predict things as well. That's another right. one of our natural tools. And then it's up to us to decide whether we're going to be sufficiently cleverly selfish to realise that actually if we burn up all the fossil fuels before we've invented any alternative, yeah. we're going to be screwed. Mm -hmm. Now, if we don't, if we just burn all the oil away, 
and then we find ourselves back in the Iron Age. Well, okay, I guess that's right. well, that's our face. You know what I yeah. mean? I, it's it's not a moral. It's not even a moral question. It's just are we going to be cleverly self? It's a bit like a game show. Are we going to pick the right box? or Are we not? That's kind of how I see it. And if you want to convince people, you've just got to say, well, look, there are very unpleasant nations in the world, mm-hmm. um, autocra- autocracies and theocracies from where we get most of our hydrocarbons right. and places that are becoming increasingly worrying like Russia mm-hmm. and, places, uh, and other places. Uh, wouldn't it be nice to find a way of ensuring that we don't have to rely on these places? And the most right-wing fanatic will agree with that. Right, yeah. Uh, and also, look, you can argue whether we're reaching peak oil or whether we're not reaching peak oil, but most people agree that oil is a finite substance. Yeah. And it would be good to find an alternative to it. Um, now, things, that's why things like the uh, Tesla Roadster are interesting because they're electric cars that are sexy, which people mm-hmm. like. Now, people like uh, James Howard Kunstler, who is a kind of a, a doomologist in right. America, it doesn't matter what you do, um, we, we, we can't carry on running the society the way we're running. Because mm-hmm. um, you, know, you can't just get nuclear power, you can't just get electricity. But actually, I think we, we may well be ingenious enough to find a technical solution to this. I think humanity is clever enough. That's what I don't like about green activists. They poo-poo technology, and they think that technology is the devil preventing us from coming into right. Eden. But actually, no, um, things like um, vaccines... Things like modern medicine, things like central heating have actually been rather good. Uh, yeah. And we, we can do more of that to help us out of this particular conundrum we find ourselves in. That will be the mammalian thing to do. Mammals don't tend to just suddenly start wearing hair shirts and feeling sorry for themselves in the back of the cave. Uh, and that's where, I just, that's where I part company with the current narrative. People who say, stop arguing about technical solutions, just turn off your VCR and stop flying places. I don't think that's a solution because I think even if we turned off our VCR and stopped flying places, if I take the climate scientists at their word, there won't be nearly enough to reduce the amount of carbon dioxide that we need to reduce to make the effect they want to. They can't have their cake and eat it. They can't say we've had this great an effect already and there's barely anything we can do about it and then say just turn off your VCR and stop flying because it doesn't mash up. Now, we're going to use up all... I I have one question about this. Who still has a VCR? (laughs) I use that in the lazy oh, reference I, see. I mean, it'll be your, your PVR these days. Yes. Your personal video recorder. Although those seem very dated to me as well. Well, what's, 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 what do we use for the year 2000? Just stream things digitally, please. iPlayer. Piracy. Fall on demand. No, it's perfectly legal. Name, name one thing that's legal. Name one thing that's legal. Yes. Um, shopping. Shoplifting is legal. Shopping. Right. That's legal. Sandwiches. Right, right. so you're saying that, that slicing up a live human baby and putting it in a sandwich yes. is evil. Uh, no, is legal. it's legal, perfectly legal. Is it? Absolutely. Are cream teas legal? No, <laughs> no. it's forbidden. Those aren't legal. I've, I've completely lost track after your monologue uh, on, on the environment. The, well, that's what, the environment, listen to it, it's like it's this institution, it's like the church, it's <laughs> something outside us that we visit occasionally, and, or, or, or senile old granny we have to be nice to, because otherwise we might not be given money in her will, kind of thing. Right, no, yeah, we are the environment, you know, <laughs> we are, we're part of it, we are it. Be nice to the environment, poor old environment. <laughs> that's completely the wrong way to go about it. And, I mean, there was a poster up in some supermarket saying, saying be good to Mother Earth. Uh-uh. <laughs> Mother Earth doesn't give a toss. I know. Uh, Mother Earth, we are basically Mother Earth. We're just bits of carbon that were vomited up from Mother Earth. And frankly, it's not being good. It's 
deciding whether we want to keep our current atomic configuration or not. That's in fact, it. currently, Mother Earth seems to be in one of her calm phases where she's not yes. spitting, spewing molten lava all yes. over us or drowning or, us. Or deciding to push us into the Ice Age, which, by the way, in the 70s is what most <laughs> scientists thought was about to happen. I know. That's why I remember in the 80s growing up being told and being taught at school that the, the next yeah. thing that's going to happen is Which is actually quite likely. But um, what pisses me off is that there are scientific revisionists now who say, no, no, no that didn't happen. <laughs> no, I remember it. I got taught it at school. No, I had a nice age no, on the way. No, I remember being no, frightened. No, no, no. Even though it was a few thousand years no, ago. No, no. I remember being frightened of an ice age coming. No, no ice age. What were you? What else were you frightened of when you were at school? Um, what was I frightened of? I was frightened of when I was at school of of a bomb going off. But that's probably because we kept having bomb scares. Oh, right. Africa, so it's quite a rational thing to <laughs> be frightened of. Uh, <coughs> you uh, were school in? Oh, this is in in, in South Africa. Yes. Yeah. What, uh, well, in this country, what was I frightened of? Did um, the, the tasty beef hot pot? Yeah. That's probably quite frightening. I was fr- I was frightened of a nuclear war. Yes, That's of course, what most you, scared me. Yeah, yeah, I was scared. Nu- Is anyone frightened of nuclear war anymore? Well, they probably sh- ironically they probably should be more than ever because at least the weapons. I don't were say un- that. I'll get frightened. The again. weapons were under control then. Now any old yeah, nutter, can, any old nutter can put one in his briefcase. Because I, I just remember you get told something extraordinary at the age of ten. You'd be told there's enough nuclear weapons in Russia. To blow up half the earth, you get told some fact like that, mm. and then America has the other half or whatever. Mm. And I was just this vision of half the earth was enough to, you know, yeah. frighten me to my core. And I was just convinced that that I, I just it, rather than go, oh, I'm worried that this mm. might happen. I was just convinced that it would. There would be a nuclear. Now, war as I got point. as I got into computers more, and I realised that computers are basically controlling all these weapons. I became uh-huh. increasingly. Oh, right. I did I wasn't worried that people were going to launch them on purpose. I was just worried there's going to be a computer error and these things are going to be launched just on a hair trigger and some code will go wrong. Yeah. It'll just launch. I mean, that was that was what worried me because it is ridiculous how reliant on fail-safe systems they are, which aren't particularly safe and will probably <coughs> fail. So. I'm conscious I'm stealing this thought from Adam Carolla, but it's it's still true. One of the other things I remember being frightened of, was, as he would put it, kind of almost certain that my death would come about from quicksand. <laughs> the sheer volume of quicksand you saw on TV in the 80s yes. was extraordinary. But, everyone, everyone and everywhere was falling But that's quicksand. OK. Myth, Mythbusters have shown that that doesn't actually happen, really. Well, uh, but Bear Grylls regularly jumps into quicksand yeah, to show you how to they, get out of it. Yeah, but he, he uses special effects because he's a fraud. He doesn't use special effects. He's a fraud. Of he's course probably, he's a fraud. It's probably he's not quicksand. It's probably a hotel that he jumps into. <laughs> and then with CGI. Yes. He's into he jumps into the hotel pool. Yes. <laughs> oh, this quicksand's bubbling up. <coughs> My favourite reveal of um, of uh, that show, uh, Man vs. Wild. I don't know what it's called. The only reason you like him is he's a Christian. That's the only reason I do mm. like him. Um, he did do a lovely little testimony in one episode. I was very proud of him. Mm. Anyway, um, he does. There was one brilliant reveal uh, someone did on YouTube where there was a gap, a crevice that he crossed in some the wilds of some part of America, and um, he climbed down and climbed up the other side. And then someone went back and recreated the exact shot, the exact place where he did this, and then just gently panned the camera to the left a few feet, revealing where the crack ended, and he could have just walked around it. <laughs> but the, 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 the point is, he did. Go across the gap, and that, I think that's where Bear Grylls gets unfairly. CG, CGI. No, it's only helicopter hoisted across. The gap. <laughs> he never. You see him. He is dangling from one pickaxe into a giant crevice above the uh, in, in the ice, or he is jumping into quicksand, or he is doing all these things. So even though he needn't, and even though he probably isn't sleeping all night in some of the on some of the nights, and and and, and all these things are faked, and scenarios are set like he's given animals to catch rather than actually catching them, or whatever it might be, they confess that on the show now. But he is doing these incredibly dangerous things. So I think he's much maligned. Yeah, but I bet you, it. I bet you, he's not brave enough to start his tenth podcast with a relatively poor impression <laughs> of a b- 
bad topical humour show on no Radio one, 4. No one else is brave enough to do that. And I think Are you bringing us around to the beginning again because it's time to stop? Is it? It's oh, yes. 45 so minutes. So it is. And I think it's time to say goodbye from the decky episode. The, the episode the, in which we are decimated. Yes, number 10. And we'll see you soon for the Crimble special. Oh, don't say that. Be nice to Mother Earth because she loves you. Bye-bye. <laughs>